please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. We, uh, what I'd like to do as we begin our talk together is read some Scripture um, and just have the Scripture kind of permeate our conversation, permeate our time together, um, and we will uh, start with Genesis chapter 1. Hear the word of the Lord, the authoritative, inspired, inerrant word of God. Chapter 1, verses 26, starting with verse 26. Hear God's word. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 28. Next verse is chapter 2, verse 18. Uh, I'm gonna, actually, uh, we got 18. I'm going to start with 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you, shall, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God <clears throat> said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens. And brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And, and whatever the man called every living creature, there was, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the heavens, uh, and the, every beast of the field. But for Adam there was none found helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of the ribs, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God taken from the man, he made into woman. And brought her to the man. Then the man said... This is at last bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And there shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees, religious leaders. Pick up in verse 4. Ask them about divorce and remarriage. Or divorce. He answered in verse 4. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Okay, that's in verse 4. Verse 5. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God had joined together let not man separate. John chapter 1 verse 14. <clears throat> And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Corinthians 9, excuse me, 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, 
but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And finally, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfast, Paul writes to the Colossi church. Continue steadfast, steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that they may know how you ought to answer each person. May God add a blessing to the reading of his holy word this morning. Okay, brother. I know, a little different for us too. So we, as we were discussing as uh, pastoral staff, we'll just work quickly here. Um, we thought it would be wise to have all of us speak into this issue. Um, Pastor Ricky oversaw youth ministry, still does. We, I know we hired uh, Matt Richmond to see on Wednesday nights. Um, Still overseeing youth ministry. Pastor Chris, as you know, moving into more of a family role, helping families navigate through our, our culture. So we thought, you know what, if we, we could all take 10 minutes of a sermon or we could all sit together and have a discussion, you get to listen in and uh, answering some of the questions that were sent to us as well um, and have this discussion together. We're, we're standing on the word of God as we always do, um, but I wanted everyone, uh, well, Pastor Ricky and Pastor Chris, to speak into this very important issue. So that's, that's kind of what brought us here to this day. Um, in this moment now. So if you're wondering where, where this all came from, now, now you understand. Although you guys do have a podcast, shameful plug-in. <laughs> we don't plug games. that on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's where we're at. So Pastor Ricky's going to so, yeah. uh, talk into it uh, as more of a moderator, but we'll speak into it as well. Yeah, well, I think to start things off, the important question to ask is why is this topic biblical sexuality and gender why is it important theologically pastorally and personally why is it an important topic to to cover outside of someone asking for the because you asked series you know why is this something important for us to hit yeah good question so i'll uh <clears throat> i'll answer that first um kind of put it up to here because it's it's such an important topic i didn't want to misspeak right from the outset but it's an incredibly important topic as we all could probably uh, understand and relate relay that understand that together. It's massive implications. Even how we structure our society is is uh, is um, is is implicated by this topic. As Christians living in the world, yet at the same time, right, we believe what we're set apart from the world. We're forced to grapple with LGBTQ ideology, philosophy. It's a way of life that's in direct opposition to God's authority and standard for living, uh, as He has rightly designed us for human flourishing. Uh, it would be easy to discount it as just foolish and, you know, uneventful um, if it wasn't for two important things. One, it's just at the, at the alarming speed that this anti-God and actually dehumanizing philosophy is just spreading. Um, it's, it's been adopted wholesale by a very vocal and powerful subset of the population. Those who have 
a profound cultural influence, like on social media, even athletes, entertainers, uh, politicians, obviously, as well. Uh, those who are making high-ranking uh, high decisions um, that, that implicate everybody under their uh, jurisdiction, um, government officials, legislators. And the second thing is that it's affecting people here among us that we know, that we love, that are in our families even. Uh, queer theory is touching down locally in our communities, infiltrating our places where we work, where we shop, in our libraries, in our schools, where it's being taught openly to our children as well. And like many of you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a concerned parent, right? I, I, I'm, I'm living in the midst of all of this as well. We all are. Um, and uh, so I'm wrestling the same way you are, with bouts of anger, with worry, with frustration, with confusion, and even sometimes fear. Um, so by working through this, I hope that we can all find, as Pastor Lou had just said, confidence in standing on the Word of God. Now that, that remains unchanging. Although we may, might see new manifestations of, of sin, maybe in a way that we've never seen before, we all believe, as Scripture says, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So maybe a different way of, of, of it being expressed in our culture today, but the solution has remained unchanged, right? It's the truth of God's Word. It's the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? The, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, and that's what we bring with us. That's what we bring with us to those that we know and love who are deceived, who are struggling with sin, who are suffering from identity disorders. By demonstrating and declaring the gospel, that's, that's how we are going to love our neighbors and, might I say, as Jesus said, we, how we love our enemies as well. Even those, even when they don't like us and when they are going to revile us. And so there's a part of me that's actually kind of, you know, excited about being able to talk about this how we can more faithfully, how we can more effectively um, in our culture, in our, our climate, in the context in which we're living, how we can here in the capital region continue to articulate the gospel, demonstrate the gospel. And if nothing else, I hope that the discussion that we have today is going to boost our confidence in the word of God and the God of the word, right? God himself who has rescued us through his son Jesus Christ. So that's, that's, that's our hope. That's my hope um, just off the, on the outset. through the issues if we haven't already um, it's everywhere uh, it's important <clears throat> excuse me it's important that we give an answer for the hope that's within us first Peter 3 in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect so, so we're covering this topic today um, not to be mean or to hate or to denigrate people, but rather to give hope, to give some clarity. Uh, we want to love people. I also recognize the sensitivity of this topic when you're dealing with gender, you're dealing uh, with the LGBTQ community, that some have handled it poorly and even sinfully. Uh, we don't want to do that either. Uh, we don't want to be like them. We want to offer hope. We want to be respectful. We want to be uh, uh, gentle as possible um, with those who are not only dealing with these issues, but also struggling with Sexual sin, confusion about their identity, their sexual identity. Um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us need redemption. There's no sin that is so far gone that God does not and will not forgive. And, and God never says to a people, and even with me, when I came through my drug addiction, um, you know, clean that up for them. Or, or you have to become heterosexual first, then I'll save you. No, the hope is in the gospel, the changed heart. 
the reconciliation work of Jesus, uh, the, the, new, the Holy Spirit, the renewal of one's life. Uh, and it's my hope as a church that we can humbly engage the culture with, like Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. I don't think we should stick our heads in the sand, uh, make believe this isn't happening, or somehow separate ourselves as if it's happening outside the church and not in here. That's just not true. Um, or just go along with, you know, cultural norms and just say, hey, we just need to accept and affirm everything that's going on. We, you know, get with the times. And so our hope as a church, uh, we can be light to a dark community, salt to the people expressing the glory of God in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. In other words, be the church, called out yet sent to engage the culture. Uh, we're not called to change the culture, but to proclaim the gospel. And yes, there's, there's implications culturally, absolutely, but our primary focus is being mission to a dark and perverse world. So that's why I'm hoping, and recognizing that our, our, our ultimate war, Chris and I talked about this earlier this morning, uh, is not against flesh and blood. Yeah, there are those we have to oppose, but it's against rulers and authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places, Ephesians tells us. So humbly, just having this conversation, uh, recognize we're fellow sinners, uh, fellow sinners, uh, gracious, uh, uh, being gracious, fallen creatures who need grace, but speak truth and love and pointing people to the Savior who is full of grace and truth. So the goal is the gospel, family. The goal is the gospel, right? It doesn't change. Uh, we're not here to change your mind, particularly on gender and sexuality. We're not saved by faith. Uh, we're saved by faith, not sexuality, but we're saved onto purity. And that's the implications of the gospel, but we want people to know and love Jesus first and foremost. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll do this now up front here because we're going to just really, it's tip of the iceberg having one 45-minute conversation about this. Uh, what we did on our website, and I'll just toss it up on the screen. If you go to our website, not now, but later, <laughs> um, you can scan that and have it saved in your phone. But kingschapel.net slash resources will bring you to a page that has an abundance of uh, podcasts, sermons, books. There's a free ebook on there, all about this, about this issue. So if, you know, what, if we don't cover everything today, which there's no way we can, uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there, both from a biblical worldview, which we'll get into in a second, and from a secular worldview, because uh, we are talking to people in, in the world who don't necessarily have a biblical worldview. So uh, a lot of great resources. I just want to point you to that uh, before we move on to uh, really a, a, the first part here. Um, and I think it's the asking the question, where do we start with all this? I think it comes down to worldview. So if I had to ask you guys, what is a worldview and how do we develop a Christian worldview? How, how do we come up with that when talking, speaking to this issue of biblical sexuality and gender? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, all of us have a worldview and um, you probably heard, maybe we've all heard that term um, thrown around a lot and maybe you understand what that means, but you don't understand what it means, but whether you do or not, maybe we've even heard that term before, we all have a worldview, and, and really what that means is how we look at the world, how we make sense of the world, how we understand what's going on around us, right? And um, it's essentially 
um, the, the lens by which we view and perceive reality around us and make meaning of it. And, and it would, it's what eventually, because of that, because of the way that we perceive the world around us, we're going to have different ways in which our, our emotions are caught up in that, our, our minds caught up in that, um, our decision making um, is all based on it. It, it, helps to, uh, it helps us really orient our lives under how we answer big questions, who we are, what's authoritative, is there a God, how, how I ought to live, um, and even down to, you know, how do I raise my children? So, um, you know, how, 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 you know how, do I, how do I pick a vocation or how do I relate to people? So it's just, it's, it's a conglomeration of all of these different answers, these different questions. And that can be either, again, whether we, we're, we're, we're thinking intentionally about, okay, how does this fit within my worldview? Or it could just be tacitly, like we don't, we don't think of it, but we're just making these decisions and thoughts and, uh, that, just, that, that we're doing passively. Right? So it can be either adopted passively by just uh, a conglomeration, like I said, of our experiences you know, along, the, along the ways we're going to just be building this, wor- this worldview, these lenses um, by which we see the world. Or it can be established through um, a, a authoritative means. You know, or we're going to say uh, a biblical worldview, for instance. I'm going to use scripture as my starting place for understanding the world in which I live. Especially since the, the, the Bible, um, as being God's word, details who the designer of reality is, right? So, um, so that's a worldview, and, and, and that's why it's the importance of, a, of a, a biblical worldview is important. I mean, I think of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, anything that's excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. So he's right from the very beginning of that. Whatever is true, you know, think about these things. So what more excellent, what more honorable, what more uh, truth-giving uh, um, thing can we think about or we could build our lives around than Scripture and, 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 um, and the Word of God, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ himself? I think that we have to, especially in our day, and we've been talking about this on Sunday morning, um, we have to be intentional. Uh, it can't, worldview is a comprehensive biblical worldview. It includes the fundamental understanding of God's truth, his truth claims over every area of our life. And when we are, we, when, as we live our life as believers in Christ, it's easy to just not be intentional about worldview. It's just, it's just the way you just function, the way I function, the way I think and the way I feel and the way oh, values that I hold. But as believers, especially in this particular issue, we have to um, be intentional. What, what does the scripture say about my identity? What does the scripture say about my purpose and my meaning? It, it, family, we have to come to that place of, of, of looking through the lens of scripture uh, in order to have a biblical worldview, in order to see reality as it really is. Because the greatest reality in the earth is God himself and his revealed will in his word. Regardless of wherever you may get that from or authoritative, going to school, whatever it is. The final and authoritative reality in the world is God. And God has revealed himself to us in his word. So we have to begin there. Uh, Otherwise, we're going to be tossed to and fro um, all over the place. So um, it really begins in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God. I mean, do you believe that? You know, is, is that where your final authority that God has now revealed himself to us? Um, and now he made us, created us, and we owe him um, everything. 
And I like, I like to use the word lens. You both use the word lens. And I think of sunglasses. Like when you first put those sunglasses on, things change and you see things differently. But eventually you have them on long enough. That's just the way you're seeing the world around you. Uh, and when we are filling ourselves with the word of God, when that is the very bread that we're eating daily, those are just the lenses we're going to have on. And that's how we're going to see it through what you guys said. So I think that's good. And I think that authority also helps answers the questions uh, like you were talking about. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? How should I live my life? It's a very, I, it's where we not only see the world, but it's where we gleam our identity. So I don't know if you guys could speak to even identity because this is an identity issue. And, and how, you know, how does the biblical worldview show us our identity? So, I don't know if Lou, Chris, you wanna, yeah, either you one. Wanna, you can start out with that? Yeah. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse, um, the first one in chapter 1, verse 26. Um, we see immediately God, in Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. We see the trinity of God, the triunity of God. The, the spirit of God is hovering over the earth. We talked about this last week. Um, and, and then, and, and verse three says, and God said, let there be light. And we see Jesus being the, the one that in whom, through whom God creates everything. Um, he's the creator. He's the sustainer. He has authority over his creation. Um, he saw his creation. And he said it was good. In fact, at the end of chapter one, he says it was very good. So God's creation to him is very good. Uh, we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We see God within himself speaking about making mankind in his likeness. And verse 27 uh, is, is a very important passage of scripture. So God created man, Adam, in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. And then it says, male and female, he created them. We see right in the beginning of creation, our identity is because of who we are created by him. And that both male and female were created by God with equal dignity, equal value, equal worth, with purpose, meaning. Um, and we believe that as a church, whether it's the unborn child or uh, someone with disability, whatever, everyone who God created creates with dignity, value, and worth. So before we could speak about our identity as something we do, I think it's important we recognize that identity is something we are. And that is a creation of God, that we belong to him. Go ahead, you want to, yeah? Yeah, no, I'm just, I would just, you know, echo that. Yeah, that I believe that wholeheartedly as, as what the real, revealed word of God says. And that we're all image bearers, right? And male and female, made in the image of God, unlike any other created thing. So that, that, that puts us in a plane above all the other animals that we were called and told to keep dominion over, and even who Adam named. Um, so there's a, there's a sense in which there's a dehumanization about what's going on in the culture as, as well, and this is a, a way of, of really lifting us um, to our rightful place, not above God, but as image bearers of God, right? And so um, that's also another thing to keep in mind as, as we interact with anybody, no matter who they are, you know, as another person, uh, keeping in mind that we are providing them the respect that, uh, that, that's due to them because they are made in the image and likeness of God. Right. right. Yeah, and, and God has, um, as image bearers, what does that mean to be an image bearer or, bear, or, or born uh, or created in the likeness of God and, 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 and uh, in, in the image and likeness of God? I think that's an important question to ask. 
because God has given us uh, not only the essence of who we are as our identity, because we are crea- his creation, but also our function as creations of God, that we are to, and that word means to reflect or, and to, to function and to represent God in the world. That, we, we talk about this here, that we, are, we were created to display and to respect, uh, excuse me, represent and reflect the goodness of God um, to the world. Uh, that we are been placed here as a representative by him who creates out of goodness, his goodness and love, out of his fullness, um, to, to represent him. And that, that's our function, that's our purpose, that's, that's why we're here. And also, as we see later on in Genesis, there's that relational aspect. Um, you know, you think about in the old, especially in the Psalms, when it talks about God who sees us, who hears our prayer, who, who walks among us, all those things are... are uh, words that God is using as we are created in his image to not only represent and not only to reflect his glory, but to relate to him and to relate to one another. And he speaks that way and then he gives us eyes to see, ears to hear, um, hands to touch and all those things that he, not that God is a body because we know that God is a spirit um, for the incarnation of course, but that we can relate to him. So it's relational as well. I think, I think that's important that we recognize that, that animals don't have that, right? Animals are not gathering in the animal temple down the street to worship the Lord. Um, you, may, you know, animal society to, to leave us alone and all that kind of stuff. So um, we don't have that here. So we see that, that God created us for that reason. Um, which, which brings us to another point, I think. And that is male and female. That we were created like and unlike. The same in the sense of identity and creation of God with value and dignity and worth, but different as we continue to read through Genesis, we see that Adam was created first. Adam names Eve. Adam looks around and God gave him the task to, to, to take care of the earth, to subdue it. He gave them both that, but then we see actually in Genesis 2 that Adam's actually the one doing it. Adam's the one responsible. And we see the, 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 the woman to come along to be a helpmate. We could talk about that for a moment and what that means. Um, it doesn't mean, hey, go get my slippers. My feet are cold. Um, it, it means that she was created for man because man could not do it alone. It was a, he was the completer of him. Um, and that's, that's something that our culture has, has lost. Um, right, yeah, but all part, both um, sexes being a part of that divine prerogative and, and appointment to the project of of um, human flourishing and obviously, dom- you know, having dominion over the earth and uh, creating life. You know what I mean. So um, there's you can't have you can't you can't do that without both without male and female, um, and so both of them is being a very, so there is a sense in which we are set apart uh, in that we're different, but we're also both image bearers, um, and we also have not only just biological differences but also disposi- dispositional differences, right? Where yeah. different roles, different, um, different ways in which we um, are made to, in a sense, operate uh, according to God's d- divine plan for us. Um, and we don't do that in exclusion of one another. Um, we do that together, you know. Um, we complement, yeah. exactly. We, we complement one another in that way. Um, so it's, not, it's not, meant to be, um, not meant to be a wedge between us. There's meant to be harmony uh, and love among us as we gather together as a community of people for the purpose of displaying God's glory um, throughout the universe, right? And, and um, so that's how, that's how we were made. Obviously, 
um, because we're having this conversation this morning and because we all recognize um, that we, we, we don't do that well, that there's obviously something that's, that has driven a wedge um, in, in between our, our purposes and, and our, 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 this um, trajectory that we should be on to display God's glory and to worship him rightly, and that's because obviously sin being entered into right. the world. And that's, what, and that's the reason why we have uh, disharmony between the sexes, you know, um, uh, and we have this, this confusion that's, that's, um, that we now see propagated around us. So, but yes, yeah, um, um, created for God's glory, um, but of course that has been, um, uh, that has obviously, um, sin has entered the, the, the created order because of our rebellion. And so we don't exhibit the, um, the life that we're supposed to live uh, together and uh, in harmony and uh, with mutual compatibility and, um, you know, productivity um, toward this, this endeavor that God's given us, toward the mission of God. Yeah, and, and everyone in this room, who's male and female, which God created, uh, we're binary according to scripture, male and female. Um, we're all, men are working it out and women are working it out. What does that look like? And, and, and part of the problem that when we talk about gender dysphoria, which we need to maybe transition to that a little bit, um, is the fact that we are fallen creatures who have received the gospel, and now the gospel is transforming us to be more of who God called us to be in Genesis 1 and 2. A return, right? Return, a return, yeah. yeah. Uh, back to uh, maleness and femaleness, and what's that different? The problem is sometimes our culture wants to define that for us. Boys have to act this way, girls have to act, you know, and then all of a sudden culture's doing more of the of the, of, the, of the pushing us into those roles rather than scripture alone. And that's where we have to be very careful. You know, there was a day when everyone wanted to be like John Wayne or, what, you know, whatever that model is of maleness or, or, or womanhood. Uh, we have to be very, very careful pushing those cultural dynamics because some of it's not biblical. Um, some of it, yes, will work itself out in culture, but ultimately who we are as men and who we are as women, manhood and womanhood, must come from the scripture and what the Bible says for us to live that out as male and female. Um, and, and that's where I think some of that gender dysphoria comes from because they're trying to fit cultural norms. Well, I, I, I don't do that what the culture is telling me to do. Yeah, so can you define, like, what is gender dysphoria? Um, what do we do with it? And is, is everyone who wants to transition... Or do they do they have gender dysphoria? This this condition. It's like something I never even heard of till like a few years ago. When, right. Um, so if you could, yeah, walk us through what that is. That I think that would be helpful. Sure. Yeah. So gender dysphoria and um, is just this this feeling that there's a mismatch between your biological sex and your um, uh, your mind and your body essentially is a mismatch. Like you. You probably heard it put this way, like I, you know, people who say that they feel as though I'm a woman that's trapped in a man's body, like your biology and your mind seem to have a mismatch. Um, and so that is a, and, and we, we, would, we would agree, I mean, uh, based on the, the research we've been doing, like that is a very real um, dysphoria, that is a really real dysfunction that can happen. Um, you know, obviously, though, looking at the statistics, it's a much smaller um, population than, um, that, than those who are now claiming that to be the case, but it is, it is a very real thing, 
Um, but that's, that's, a, that's particularly what it is. It's just this mismatch between your mind tells you who you are, how you feel, and, uh, and, and, your, and the body that you're living in. Right. And, and we, as Bible-believing Christians, um, not only recognize of the broken world, we're struggling, all, all of us are struggling in some way or some form with our identity, with sexuality, with other things uh, that are going on within, within that realm, but we're, we, we acknowledge that God is good, he created what is good. He created us male and female. And therefore, our role as brothers and sisters in Christ, for those who are struggling with that, is to, to speak of the gospel and how Jesus Christ saves, rescues, redeems, and, and, and transforms lives. And that God is good. And uh, I, I think part of the part of the cultural um, way in which handling it is to say, you, ha- you, know, you have to grin and bear it. And we're saying, no, God is, God is good. God is loving. God is perfect. God doesn't make mistakes. And what's, what's, we get to what, what love is, but what, we, what everyone needs to do, including me, is drink deeply of Christ and, and the gospel and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit um, and who God made me and, and what my purpose is, my God-given identity, my God-given purpose, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's, uh, part of it is like you're just first celebrating the, the beauty of God's design, that he has made us male and female. Um, and so when he's, when he's made you with biological distinctions as a, as a man or as a woman, as a boy, as a girl, then um, that's something that we should recognize as a, a, an indicator of how God has made us and that's something that, and that he made us for a particular purpose and role. So rather than having to try to come up with what it is on our own uh, based on our feelings, um, we can understand what it is objectively by what scripture tells us um, who we are, you know, um, and, and clinging to that. So um, for those who are, you know, the way that's typically been true in the past, from what I understand, is that there's been a, there's either, two, well, there's actually two, two ways of either, either handling it, you know, as it's either bringing your body to conform with your mind, so changing your body, you know, um, surgically, um, or, which is what's happening now, or it's bringing your mind in conformity to the biological reality, the objective reality of the fact that you are a male or that you are a female. So obviously, as, as we look at, like as what Pastor Lou just said, we, we look to what Scripture teaches us, that God has not made any mistakes and that he's created us in a very real sense to be either male or female, and there are chromosomes that are going to match that, indicate that as well. Um, so what we're, we're trying to do is bring, bring our minds, bring our hearts into submission unto, uh, you know, under the lordship of Christ, and recognize that in that, that is not a... A diminishing of who we are, that's an actual promotion and a celebration of, of human flourishing. Like, that's how we, 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 can, we can live a life of, of, of joy, um, is knowing that we are in conformity to Christ's, to God's design in our life and, and Christ's will for our lives, right? Yeah. So, can, can you guys speak to, like, how did this become so prevalent within our culture? Um, because the biblical worldview, I mean, the scriptures, who God is, has been here much longer than this frame of thought has. Where did this come from? How, how do we get to where we are today? Yeah, I, I think that what, what's happening in our society and in our culture is psychology and physiology um, is taking precedent over biology. Um, and, and, and we know that 
men are men, you know, even though the Supreme Court people can't answer the question, what is a woman, um, it doesn't mean that we can't. God has given us in his word and through science, through biology, of what a man is and what a woman is. I mean, um, Scripture speaks of the biological sex demonstrated through chromosomes, XY male, XX female. Um, there's, there's the, the uh, external sexual anatomy of a man and a woman is obviously different. There's the internal reproductive organs that are obviously different between male and female. There's the endocrine system, right, with, with testosterone and, and estrogen and um, all, all those things that we know and like, yeah, well that, you know, 20 years ago, there was not even a question. Um, and what's happening now is all the biology, all, not all the biology, biology is being uh, trumped by um, psychology and physiology and really um, and I say this with love, but it, it really is an anti-God social construct um, that is not only permeating our culture, but hurting people, hurting children, hurting families, um, and, and, it, and it's not something that we as believers, as the culture is heading in this direction, are, are going to have that cultural understanding rather than a worldview from Scripture. That right. make, yeah, yeah, and and you know we we could we could basically say that it just comes down to sin, but to unpack what that means and to look at what that means, I mean, there, there's got to be an out there. There's essentially an outright outright rejection of God Himself, right? And um, and what we see uh, where we we. we typically be able to look at two libraries, like one library with two books, one of which being obviously the world around us, the objective reality that we look through a scientific lens. Um, and science, by the way, is not, is not, um, is not incompatible with Christianity. I mean, uh, science is, is a way of observing the world that God created. It, it's, it's, it's being able to see what God has made and, and put uh, names to things. It's being able to understand systems uh, in the way the, God works in the world. So, you know, so we could, we could look through nature, you know, as God designed it, and we look through God's word. Um, but what happens, what's trumping all that nowadays is this, um, what's, what's being, what could be understood as, um, as one writer put it, Carl Truman put, expressive, uh, postmodern expressive individualism, right? This, this self-determination, this self-autonomy, um, this unmitigated self actualization that I, that I can decide who I am and it doesn't matter what science says it doesn't matter what biology says it doesn't matter obviously what scripture says um, but I am my own authority my feelings um, and giving expression to my feelings is primarily who I am so my identity is forged in how I'm going to express myself based on how I feel about myself so feeling really trumps everything else and so um, those behaviors uh, my and therefore my identity as as I determine it based on my feelings and that could change from day to day or moment to moment or from one time in my life to another time in my life needs to then also be affirmed by the the society at large. So it's not just important enough for me to understand who I am, but I need society to also come alongside me and affirm that I am who I say I am. Right. So I hope I hope that makes sense. Yeah, and you know and what I mean. All Every single one that has been born after Genesis 3, and I'm assuming everybody in this room, um, all of us, whether it's gender dysphoria or whether it's running to something to have an identity in, we, we, we're created worshipers 
And when God, when, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and were put out of the garden, um, they, they, were, they were afraid, there was shame. I mean, that, and, and they were seeking to hide themselves. We all do that. We, we all, we all um, that's what the gospel is all about, bringing us back into reconciliation with our creator. We're all seeking something to get a sense of meaning and value and purpose. And I think we need to see that, whether, whether it's struggling with your identity, it's a way in which you could say, I'm valuable, I have meaning, I have purpose. And we would say the gospel is the answer, that Christ is the answer, whether you're, whether you're struggling with your identity in, in, through your sexual identity, which is not all of who you are, um, we would say Christ is the answer. He, he's the one who created you. He's the one who loves you. He's the one who redeemed you. And you've been created by your God. And um, um, let, me, let me say this too as well. I know, Pastor Chris, you mentioned on this. Family, we should not be surprised that we are not joining the world John tells us in 1 John that those who love the world, the world's systems, the way in which the world says this is how you get your identity, the way in which the world says this is success, this is what meaning and purpose is, all those ways in which the world says um, that's the way you get those things, John says if, if, if you're lovers of that system, you're a hater of God. Um, so not that we should you know, um, go at it with everything we have, but recognize we're a peculiar people. We've been called out of this culture, out of this world, I should say, to be a people submitted to Christ, submitted to his word, um, and therefore what we call sin um, and what the world calls sin will be very different. We should, we, we should know that going into it. So how then do we take the unchanging message of the gospel, the unchanging word of God to an ever-changing culture? How do we do that and we're, we're polarized, things are hostile, it feels like at times, on both ends. How do we take that message of hope and do it with love, do it with compassion towards the LGBTQ community uh, without embracing or affirming, but yet still treating people with dignity, value, and worth, and love, and, and doing that? How do yeah. we practically do that? And let me just say, and I'll turn it over to you, Pastor Chris. Um, Grace and truth, and, and I, I think we, we need to recognize the truth that um, everything outside of covenantal marriage between one, one man and one woman is sin um, and, and, and not God's design. And that there's not one that's worse than the other, whether uh, sin, uh, sexual sin, all sexual sin, um, God forgives, and, and that we are... Um, we have to speak the truth when we have the opportunity, but also speak it with grace, recognizing that all of us have sexual sin, all of us need redemption, all of us struggle with things in our lives, and we're all of us resting in the grace of God. So how does that work out? Sometimes it's very difficult. Uh, I think we need to, some, sometimes we just need to live in that tension. I don't know what your thoughts are, but that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, you know, armed with the truth, and again, you know, we've, hit this many times, but with that uh, in mind, it's in how do we express that truth in a loving, gentle uh, way, um, sometimes in a, in, a, in a forceful way, depending on what that looks like, but I think there's, there's, there's first, there's got to be that distinction, right? We have to recognize that there's a, a difference between those who are ardent activists um, that, that are looking for a fight, <laughs> obviously, um, and we need to be sensitive and understand that and, and, and approach that that kind of a conversation, that kind of a, an interaction differently 
than those who are, um, you know, the victims, essentially, of a, an ideology that is, that is, that is pushing them toward uh, destruction, right? Um, so understanding the difference between those who are, again, who are actively um, uh, trying to pro propagate this in a forceful way, um, those who are suffering from, from um, gender uh, issues or identity issues, loving them so, you know, um, in a way that's obviously um, caring for them with the truth, um, not necessarily accepting of lifestyles when, 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 when they're making claims about their identity that we know to be at odds with um, the way God's designed. Um, and, and, and also, obviously, um, you know, uh, keeping relationships opened um, to be able to have those conversations and have constructive uh, conversations, again, to the, to the, and that's going to be really to the best of our ability as, as it relates to, to our, pers our part of that relationship, obviously. Yeah, and just on that, the, where you said the activist who's looking for a fight, we need to be careful not to be that person on the other side right, right, looking right, exactly. for a fight, but looking to love and have conversation yeah, with yeah. the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and even here at our church, um, recognizing that this needs to be and, and should be a safe place for brothers and sisters in this room to talk about the struggles they're having and that it's not for condemnation. It's saying, hey, I know this is what God has for me. I know this, but here's my struggle, um, and I, I, can you come alongside and love me and, and work with me and help me as I deal with my temptation? Remember, temptation is not sin. Um, as I deal with the struggle I'm having with same-sex attraction, whether it's lust of the heart toward other someone else's wife or another, you know, whatever that is, uh, the gospel is the answer, and this should be also a safe place um, as well. And, and let me say this. I've said this before, too. Our definition of love and the world's definition of love is very different. And that's something I think we have to consider as well. Um, Philippians chapter 1 um, says, um, Paul's prayer, is my prayer that love, your love, may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So what we're facing in our culture is we're saying what they're doing to children, which should get us angry, you know, uh, is wrong and sinful um, and, and in order to love our children, in order to care for those that, that are struggling with this, what looks like is the gospel, is the truth of God's word, and the, but people see us as being troublemakers or, or haters or something, but we have to be really, really careful that we're doing grace and truth. Is that, that? Yeah, uh, agreed. And, you know, just those list of things, there's not a lot of time, but, um, you know, be, how, per, being prepared to have that conversation with your kids. I mean, we talked about wanting to protect our children. You know, the protection's only to last so long before they're going to be exposed, and there, there's, there's, there's going to be a way in which they're going to come into, um, you know, understanding about what's going on here. So be the ones that, that as parents, be the ones that, that talk to your children first and frequently keep um, conversation open with them. Uh, understand what's going on in the schools as far as the curriculum that's, that's being um, passed uh, around. So f ask about that, find out what that, what that looks like. Pastor Lou talked about the church being a safe place for those who are struggling with identity, sexual identity, and um, civics. Looking at looking at ways and opportunities to speak and influence in in, in our in, in our uh, in the ways that which we can, like you know, um, 
pulling any, any lever that we can when it comes to uh, decision making, you know, as far as like uh, governments and municipalities um, being involved in that way, speaking into it that way, making votes a certain way, obviously. Um, uh, per, um, Social media, obviously, yeah, you know, that's I, a huge I, I thing, you know, that, that's another another aspect in which we've just got to be very careful, not only just how we interact, but what we're we're going to be taking in and what our children are going to be taking in and what those around us are taking in. So um, being very cautious um, about that, being uh, having some discretion there when it comes to uh, how much time you see and, and, and what you're engaging with on there. And Yeah, be very slow in allowing your children to get onto social media. Right. That yeah. It is, yeah. we're yeah. on it, but it is, it just becomes more and more toxic on there to use that buzzword, I guess, but Yeah, and slow. speaking the truth in love means... Um, how you say it, uh, you know, I, I won't name any names, but there's a local person here who's a, who's a pastor, and, you know, not make, here, not, not here, here. <laughs> I'm not in this building. making fun of and mocking on your social feed is not helpful, um, and I would say wrong, um, so uh, again, speaking the truth in love is having those conversations and, and standing up for truth. No one say we should not do that, especially when our children are involved, the school's involved, and, and, and you need to do that. I would just be, I, I would say, as it says in the scriptures, be respectful and gentle as possible um, and deal with that righteous anger that you may feel towards some of the stuff that's going on and, and infiltrating your home, infiltrating your family, um, but being very careful about how you say it. And, and you know, not only what you say, but how you say it, because it comes across mm. as a, as I just want to fight you. That that's not helpful. Um, but it's like, something to think about. Yeah, Go and ahead. as as Pastor Ricky pointed out, there's there's tons of resources that we have available on the website. But if you get no other other book, I would say I would mention that you get this book, Gender Ideology: What Do Christians Need to Know? It's a very nice primer because it also points out other. Uh, other resources you can look at, but as far as like just the practical side of things, there's two there's two full um, chapters near the end uh, about uh, how we should respond and and how parents can respond. I mean, there's a list of ten different ways in which we can uh, a call to respect and how we can respond in the midst of it uh, that are very practical because we, because obviously we can't go into a lot of detail here this morning um, about that. Um, but you know, there's also a sense in which we you know um, need to show grace and truth, grace toward one another, I should say, as we are all handling this yeah. in different ways and at different, different places on that, on that, our spectrum of understanding and application in our lives, um, you know, how, how we're going to, you know, for instance, deal with yep. um, personal pronoun uses. Do, do, we, do, we, do we use personal pronouns? Do we, uh, those are the pronouns that people say that I, I want to be referred to in this way or with, with, uh, n with names or do we go to, you know, marriage ceremonies or those kind of things, um, you know, that would, uh, that would seem to advocate that we're accepting of that, you know. So we're all going to handle that a little bit differently. And it's, it's, it's going to be important that situ in those, ter those times to know that we can, um, at least, you know, we can show grace to one another, you know, have a conversations about it. Yeah. Um, time is winding down. Where I think I would like to see us land the plane here is on the gospel and mission. Uh, but before we do that, I know that this topic specifically causes people to have a lot of questions. And uh, 
I just wanted to let you guys know now before we, before we end that on Sunday, September 24th after the service, we'll actually have the opportunity to do a Q&A uh, where you guys can, can ask your questions and we can have a, a dialogue that involves everyone. Uh, we just simply didn't have time for it this morning. Uh, but as we, as we look to close things out, uh, yeah. unless you wanted to... No, I, no I, it's on that closing, though, on that point, is that there, there's a difference between lovingly accepting someone for who they are and affirming um, something that we would be unable to affirm, whether it's in our own life or in the life of others, because of our worldview, because of our authority, which is scripture, and, and because of who God is. And, and I'll say this, and I've talked to a lot of you, um, and I, I, in my own life, as Chris, Pastor Chris mentioned, um, as you're walking through this uh, about pronouns and about um, ceremonies and those nature, uh, again, like Chris said, showing each other some grace, but also I would say work it out with the, the Word of God, the people of God, and the Spirit of God, and give each other some space because you may be at a different place and you may come from a different, your conscience, and, and you know, how do I deal with those people? The important thing, I think, though, is that you're living in that tension. It's good and okay to live in that tension. How am I supposed to you love someone with grace and truth? Sometimes it's not black and white. Um, and sometimes you may fall on one side or the other. I know I lean one way than others. You may lean a certain way. I mean, we can work that out together so that we can be on mission because we know the answer to every question, and his name is Jesus uh, Christ and the gospel. That's what we want to point to, right? No, we're not trying to point to uh, uh, other things that may be peripheral, but that you need to be reconciled to God. Not, and I, and I'll, I'll share this story too. When I became a follower of Christ um, from using drugs, uh, serious drug addiction, you know, I didn't really get to that place of saying, you know what, my drugs are wrong. You know, God showed me that, but it, it was a whole disposition of, I'm a sinner, I'm Lord of my life, and I need to turn and trust. And then God gave me his spirit, and, and, and slowly I began to work on those issues in my life. And that's how everybody comes to faith. So we're not trying to change people's uh, sexual orientation. We're trying to share the gospel with them um, so that they come to faith in Christ. And God will do the rest as he, as he does you know, for us. So do you want to add one more thing? And I'll read Colossians. We can close with time. Yeah. Huh? yeah, I think... Yeah, so I, I would, yeah, I would, I would echo those, those sentiments as well, you know, um, and I, I think one of the biggest things is, too, is um, just keeping in mind, again, the objective, you know, we're, what, what, you know, why we're, we're being missional. I think it's got to be driven by, first, a, a desire to see new life be experienced in a, in a person, and that was only going to be Again, the impetus is going to be love, right? Do we love that person? Um, do we have uh, eyes for them to, to uh, are our hearts and our minds open to being able to um, confront them lovingly, but also sometimes just sit there and listen, you know? I mean, one of the, one of the people I was listening to this past week was, said, like, playing the long game, you know, with, with those. You know, we, we, we often like to have instant gratification, instant you know, uh, something taken care of off the plate. Okay, boom, it's taken care of. I've said what I need to say. It's all done. This person has now come to faith and now I'm done. But that's not how we, that, it's not how we are as people, right? Um, and that 
it, it comes through relationship, it comes through time, it comes through prayer, it comes through constant interactions and, and, and showing of love and um, understanding. So I think that's, we, that's something that we got to recognize as well. Um, it's just it's keeping, keeping the door open. Again, as long as it depends on you, um, you know, we, we, we don't, obviously don't have any control over how, how we're going to be treated um, or how that relationship is going to be severed by, based on the person on the other end. But if, if, we can, if we can, by all means, keep that, that door open so we continue to have opportunities, then uh, that's, that's, that's what it looks like, I think, to live missionally. Yeah. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, you know, Paul, I mentioned early in Colossians that he prayed for an opportunity. He prayed that he would have opportunities, gospel opportunities. He prayed that the door would be open. He prayed that God would give him wisdom. He prayed for gospel conversations to take place, that he would be wise when he has them. And in 1 Corinthians chapter, nine, chapter 6, I read this earlier, should speak to all of us. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? We are all unrighteous. The righteousness that we have to receive the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of God, is Christ's righteousness. Imputed to us by faith through grace. Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, that word there is used of of both uh, the, the, the negative and the positive, those who dress a certain way and those who practice homosexuality actions, thieves, greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, swindlers, they're all in that list. We'll inherit the kingdom of God. And family, that was some of you. But you and I, we all have been what? Washed. We've been cleansed. We've been washed. We've been made pure by the righteousness of Christ. All of us have been washed. You've been sanctified. We've been set apart from that world of darkness. We've been set apart unto God. That's what sanctified means. We are washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. You know what justified means? Forgiven of our sins and the imputation of Christ's righteousness in our account. We've been sanctified. We've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let's keep that in mind as we are a church who, yes, stands up for truth about sexual purity, man, woman, covenant of marriage, but also recognize that we are all fallen, broken people who need Jesus and the gospel. Look for opportunities, as we've said, that sometimes we have to stand against the oncoming slot of, our, of culture, but let's, let's be careful how we do it. Let's try to do it lovingly, patiently, and remember the, the answer is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Yeah, let's pray together. The band, you guys can come on up. Father, Father, thank you for our time together. And, it's, and maybe there are some things that were not mentioned. Uh, we pray that when we gather again around the 24th, and have these discussions, God, we'll, we'll talk about more. It's hard to do it all in the time that we have, God. Uh, we thank you, though, for the time we've had together. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you created us in the Imago Day as representatives to reflect your glory. Father, we know that the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the expression of, of your glory. And we recognize as we look to the cross, we see our fallenness, our brokenness, our sinfulness, our rebellion. 
And then we look back at the cross and we see your love, your, your compassion, your mercy, and your grace. Uh, so help us, Father, to, to be a people who live on mission, who people who will pray for opportunities, will look for opportunities, people who will, will be wise. And, and, and our, our talk, our, our conversation will be seasoned with salt, gracious, respectful, and gentle as well as the best of our ability, Lord. So help us to be a church who loves all people and calling everyone everywhere to repent and to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know, God, you are faithful and you are just and you forgive those who confess their sins. So, Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' good name. Amen.